Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Colossians tonight. We want to look at chapter 3 and the first four verses here tonight. And let's uh, ask the Lord to bless our study together. Lord, again, we thank you for a comfortable place to meet. Thank you for each one that's able to come out. Pray that you would bless our our study, the ongoing, uh, the moms and the teens, their their study as well. We pray that that would be blessed also. So, again, we thank you for the privilege to assemble. And uh, thank you for your presence with us. And guide and direct us now as we study together. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, we are in uh, Colossians. And uh, the theme is the sufficiency and the supremacy of Christ. And uh, really, you could kind of, the great emphasis in Colossians is it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And uh, we see that in him are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. That's the thing. We're talking about things that relate to the mind, really. And you know why that is? Why is that such a big deal? Because what happens in the mind is what controls what goes on in the life, right? Your mind controls uh, how you function. And so uh, in Christ... All the spiritual treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, as we saw in chapter 2. And we are complete in him. There's nothing left out. You don't say, well, you know, we got, a, we got a good start. But we also need a few other things. Not in terms of our spiritual lives. Now, people try to add things, right? They try to add things to Christ and say, you know, Christ is good. Praise the Lord for salvation. But, but we need a little something more. What, what kind of things do they try to add that we saw at the end of chapter 2? Well, things like philosophy, right? What's philosophy mean? What's the word philosophy mean? Love of wisdom, right? Worldly wisdom. So, yeah, okay, we got spiritual principles, but we also need other things. We need some psychology for sure. I mean, we can't really get by without it. Anyway, philosophy... Jesus is fine, but we need a little something else. Uh, how about legalism? You know, we got Jesus, but we need some other rules too. That's legalism. Uh, how about mysticism? My experience. You know, I got Jesus, but I also got my experience here. Man, I got the whole package. Uh, and then we saw asceticism, right? Which is denial of all kinds of things. I'm more spiritual because of what I, what I deny myself. So, Jesus plus all kinds of things, and, and Paul's having none of it, saying, no, 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 Jesus is enough. He is sufficient uh, for whatever we're going through. And we saw in chapter 2 an emphasis, uh, jump down to verse 14, where it talks about uh, Christ having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Uh, he's talking about how he has for, we are forgiven all of our trespasses based on what Christ has done for us. This relates to the penalty of sin. It's all taken care of. You say, well, what else needs to be done? Well, nothing. It's all taken care of as far as the penalty of sin. How about uh, the power of sin? Uh, come down in chapter 2 to verse 20 there. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? So he's saying, you know, we don't need all these other things to help us on to God. In terms of our walk, in terms of our practice, the power of sin has been broken. We have died with Christ. And so the whole package is there. Uh, chapter 2 is largely about things that undermine uh, our sufficiency in Christ, uh, that would say, no, Christ is not really enough. You need a little more. And he's addressing that and refuting that. 
And then as we come to chapter 3, <clears throat> the emphasis here is on living out uh, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. Chapter 2, negative, don't live according to the basic principles of this world, uh, you know, how the world thinks and operates its values and, and what it puts stock in. Rather, uh, chapter 3, uh, live in line with the principles of Christ and who you are in Jesus Christ. By the way, Paul's pattern is to lay down doctrine and then build practice on top of that. The first two chapters are largely doctrinal uh, in emphasis. And now we get more into the practical section in chapters 3 and 4. That is his pattern. Uh, we see that in, in his writings consistently. Lays down doctrine and then builds practice upon it. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get into it. Somebody want to read uh, chapter 3, Colossians 3 and verse 1. Who wants to read that for us? Yeah, Albert. Okay, thank you. Uh, first class condition here, if means since. It assumes the reality is true. If then you were raised with Christ, literally co-raised. Uh, when we come to faith in Christ, we are in union with him. And we are pictured as entering into the experience of Christ. And we have been raised with him. We are now seated with him in heavenly places, according to Ephesians 2.6. So we're complete in him. We're in union with him, and this union with him relates to resurrection life. You've been raised with Christ. By the way, we're having a baptismal service Sunday night, and uh, this fits. <clears throat> Here is the crux of the whole Christian life. It's, it's all about union with Christ. If you are really in union with Jesus Christ, then your whole spiritual life is different. This is the message of water baptism. Baptism is an outward testimony of your union with Christ. It doesn't make the union, but it does testify to it. It testifies that you identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, we see uh, all of the above here, the, the total union of, with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. But right here in verse 1, the emphasis on his resurrection, having been uh, raised with Christ. Um, then he says, uh, since this is true, uh, since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Uh, it's in the present tense. It's imperative here. So it's a command to be diligently seeking. The, that's the idea of seek here is to diligently pursue. And so he's saying be very intentional here. Be very intentional, on purpose, disciplined, seeking those things which are above. Now, um, when we think about uh, seeking things which are above, we live in, in the world here, and we live in a fallen world, and you know what uh, our problem here is in the world? It's distractions. Distractions are everywhere, right? I mean, even good things can be a distraction, and, and people, they, they do get distracted. We, we people get distracted. Uh, the shiny thing is distracting for us. But he says, seek those things which are above. This is to be our focus. Paul is saying uh, that mere outward regulations as put forth by man really do not empower you to have victory over the sin nature. Throwing out uh, man-made rules to the flesh is not the answer. Instead, as Paul points out, the answer is found in our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the basis for spiritual victory. Focus on that reality. 
uh, not on somehow in our own strength making the flesh perform properly. The power for Christian living is found in Christ in our relationship with him. That's the key. And that's really what he's emphasizing all the way through here, our union with Christ. And, and the fact that we are now uh, sharing in Christ's resurrection life uh, is the emphasis here. Um, seek those things which are above. When you think about our spiritual lives and who we are in Christ, really pretty much all relates to that which is from above, right? Uh, we're born from above. I mean, you know the, the phrase in John, born again, could be translated born from above. Uh, we're born from above. Uh, we sit uh, in heavenly places, spiritually. That, that's where we are. Uh, we are citizens of heaven, uh, which is from above. We're strangers and pilgrims here on the earth. I mean, we're just passing through. This is not really where our, our real identity is found in terms of, of uh, what we're all about. We, we have a heavenly home. We look for a city uh, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Uh, it's, it's above. Uh, we have our names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You seen that book lately? Where is that book? I submit to you, it's, it's above, right? And that's what I'm pointing out. The New Jerusalem, our, our eternal home, wh- where is it? Well, uh, it's related to those things above. Uh, you know, it's going to come down, uh, you know, and, and so forth. But uh, all the spiritual blessings we have in heavenly places in Christ, it's an emphasis on above, heavenly places. We uh, have wisdom, right, from God. Where's that wisdom from, according to James? From above, right? And every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, uh, comes from above. So that's the idea here. I think he's talking about uh, seek those things which are above, from, from God, uh, the higher orientation, which, which is from God. And then he says, uh, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Uh, well, we don't have to wonder where he's at, right? Christ is seated right now at the right hand of God. This is why we are seeking those things uh, which are above. Really, the idea here, I think, is to seek uh, the things that relate to Christ, and Christ is, has gone above and is seated at the right hand of God. Now, it's interesting that he is said to be sitting here, right? He's not standing. Uh, what's the significance of, uh, of sitting, do you suppose? Completed work. You know, you go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. After he had purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of God. Now, that's kind of interesting. As our, as our high priest, as far as his sacrificial work, it's completed. Now, other aspects of his high priestly ministry continue. But as far as his sacrificial work, it's completed. What, what does that mean to us? What's the significance of that? Okay. Right. He doesn't have to do it over, and we're not adding anything to it. It's a completed work. That's the idea. So, yeah. By the way, in the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament priests, uh, did they sit down in, during their work? What about the holy chairs that were in the tabernacle and then later in the temple? There weren't any. That's right. There were no chairs for the priests. It's like the picture is that their work just was never finished. It just kept going and going and going. Now Christ has finished the sacrificial work and has sat down at the right hand of God. Now, uh, what's the idea of right hand? He's seated. He's not in heaven. He's not over in a corner somewhere, right? Obscure. 
<laughs> find him. He's here somewhere. No, no. He is seated at the right hand of God. What's, what's the significance of the right hand? The favored position. Uh, the choice position. The most honored position. The most exalted position. Right? That's where Christ is at right now. At the right hand of God. And uh, again, as our high priest, he is uh, involved in activity there, all right? He is making intercession for us. Uh, he's at uh, what Hebrews calls the throne of grace, right? Uh, when we are in need, we come to our high priest, and he is able to dispense grace to us in time of need. So he is there for us. Um, let's see here. My next slide. In reality, all of our resurrection blessings are associated with things above, where Christ is found at the right hand of God. We ought to seek those things. We are to be preoccupied with the person of Christ, his plan, his purposes, his will, his power, his provisions. It's all about Christ and all that is found in him. Make this the priority of your life, which is really kind of a way of saying, make Christ and the things of Christ the priority of your life. Make that the focus uh, seek those things which are above uh, where Christ is, uh, that which is all about Jesus Christ. Okay, um, I think in the end, uh, you know, you're going to have to choose what you're going to focus on. And uh, we have the world out here. That's not really going to do anything for you. It's not edifying to start with. And uh, I think about Ecclesiastes, which has a very earth-centered focus here, things under the sun and vanity of vanity. It's all vanity. I mean, that's really not where our hope is uh, related to things above. All right. Uh, any other thoughts before we go on here? Yes, Andrew. Yep. Amen. 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 Very good. Anyone else? Okay. Very good. Let's have somebody read verses uh, 2 and 3. Who wants to read 2 and 3? Yeah, Dave? Okay. So he said, verse 1... Uh, if you were raised, since you were raised, now in verse 3, for you died. Well, which, which was it? Well, it's both, right? We have in Christ experienced a death and we have experienced resurrection life by, by virtue of our union with him. But notice he's continuing on with this emphasis here in terms of your mind. Set your mind. Uh, you know, what about a wandering mind? You know, it does seem to me we're responsible for our mind. Uh, where are you going to set your mind? What are you going to put your focus on? Set your mind. He's talking about your mind, what, what you think about. And, uh, you know, there's responsibility here. So there's, there's the key. Uh, it's all about thinking. Uh, where is your mind? Uh, you know, the worldlings, uh, they set their mind in a different place. Uh, here in Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about uh, the many who walk, of whom I have told you often, tell you now even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, 
who set their mind on earthly things. Uh, so this is characteristic of, uh, you know, people who don't know the Lord. They too have a mindset, right? But it's not on Jesus Christ. It's on other things that relate to this life. Uh, they set their mind on earthly things. So uh, as believers, we should have our mind set on things above and not on things on the earth. And yet it's hard. I mean, we are in the world, but we're not of the world, right? Absolutely. We're in the world. We have to deal with things here in the world. And it's real easy to get preoccupied. It's real easy to lose our focus. It's a constant battle for all of us. It's one of the reasons we're here tonight, right? Wednesday night. Help us maintain our focus and keep our our mindset on things above. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, or he wrote this. He wrote on the flyleaf of his Bible, this book will keep me from sin or sin will keep me from this book. How true. The only message we have from heaven is in the book. The only truth that we have concerning things above is found in the Bible. How do we even know about these things? Well, it's in the Bible. So if we don't focus on the word, how can we ever aim to, uh, to set our mind on things above? It won't happen. Setting your mind on things above corresponds directly to saturating your mind with the word of God. Uh, I think really that's really what we're talking about. Uh, this is what directs our mind t- towards things above towards the higher things, and the battle is for the mind. This is the great battle in life. It's a, it's a truth war, and it relates to the mind. It relates to what, what are we going to think about. And uh, life really is so much of our life, really. Uh, really. Life is essentially the thought life, what happens in the mind. What goes on in the mind works its way out in the life. And so he says, set your mind on things above. That's his theme here. Seek those things which are above, verse 1. Now, verse 2, set your mind on things above, which are God things. Uh, Saturate your mind with the things of God is really the idea. Just a couple of verses here that really drive it home. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, of course, by application, talking to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Uh, Meditate in it day and night. Let let the word of God uh, drive you and your your thinking. And then Psalm uh, 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Well, how does he maintain this? Well, his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, There again is that emphasis on uh, where's your mind at? Well, the mind that's in the Word, this is key uh, emphasis in the Scriptures here. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, What are things that relate to the earth? Well, John tells us, right? He says in uh, 1 John 2, uh, 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, what is he talking about? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, you know, that sinful desires, the lust of the eyes, uh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So this is to believers. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Uh, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, it, you know, it's not what drives us. It's not what we live for. It's not what we're focused on. It's not what... Uh, is uh, the controlling factor in our minds. Uh, 
All right. Um, any other thoughts here as we finish out verse 2? Yeah. Yep. And you can get angry about people. Yep. If you think I'm sweet people, Yep. You can get depressed if you think I'm like certain classes or whatever it is. And so the good thing is that, like you're saying, we control God. Praise the Lord. We've got better things to think about. Yeah, amen. So we don't have to be ruled by that. Amen. Well, amen, brother. I think we're all there. We all can relate to uh, your humanness. I mean, we all know that battle. That's just, that is the battle. I think it is a battle until we get to the pearly gates, you know. There's always going to be some form of battle, uh, circumstances, people, situations, uh, all kinds of things that we wrestle with. So, yeah, and we've got to come back. And it's good to remind ourselves, I need to set my mind on the right things, on things above. Hey, what am I thinking about? Things below, things above. Uh, Philippians 4, you know, whatever things are true, just, honest, pure, lovely, good report. Think on these things, you know. It's easier said than done, though. You know, sometimes you ever had this where you say, well, I, I really don't want to think about that, but since I'm thinking I shouldn't think about that, I'm really having a hard not th- time not thinking about it. It's funny how the mind works, isn't it? You know, we, we got to change. I find myself, I say, that I have to change something. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm thinking something about somebody, you know, I say, man, I shouldn't be thinking of this about this person, but I should be doing this praying for this person. Pray, you know, not the wise way out. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. Okay, uh, well, note then verse 3. He comes back to now the, the uh, fact that you died. Uh, you were raised, verse 1, for you died. Uh, this is our spiritual position. And he's saying now you should live accordingly. And the idea here, again, is our union with Christ. And because uh, Christ died for sin, uh, in our union, we died with him. Uh, we died to the sin, we died to the world, and uh, that means uh, our relationship with sin has changed. For you died. Um, Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ, spiritually. Uh, he died for my sin, uh, and He died so that I might be free from the power of sin. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. This is how you enter into it. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then a little later in that same book, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The dividing point is the cross, uh, where we stand on the cross of Jesus Christ. For you died, he says. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden. Uh, What does he mean by this, do you suppose? You died, and your life, you died, but now you have resurrected life that he's talked about in verse 1, but it's hidden. 
It's hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean, do you suppose? Yeah. Well, uh, I think the translations are pretty consistent there on, on using hidden. Yeah? Well, that's true. Yeah? Well, he's, he's, that's true. The end of the verse does certainly emphasize security. But hidden, you know, you can't, uh, you see the, the fruits of, of salvation. Uh, you see the fruits of, of who we are in Christ, like what you're talking about. But you don't see that spiritual, it's a spiritual reality. Uh, you don't see it. Uh, you see the effects of it. You see the fruits of it. But it's a truth that is hidden in Christ. And it's a reality. It's a spiritual reality. Uh, you know, you, you can't really see my heart. You can't see the spiritual realities of a person. You see the effects of it, but you don't see it. It's hidden in that sense. Um, Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that interesting? There's a secret place there. And I think it's secret. Uh, who's it a secret from? The world. I don't think the world has a clue. You know, they, they think this is all baloney. But it's real. And it's, uh, there is a secret place uh, in the Most High. And then uh, to uh, one more slide here. In this invisible realm, in this spiritual sphere, where we as believers share in the life of Christ, note three things here. We share in Christ's life, uh, number one. Number two, it is a secret reality that is hidden from the world. And number three, this union with Christ is secure. Uh, note here at the end of the verse, it really makes a double emphasis. Uh, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So it's, it's hidden with Christ, and it's in God. So it's kind of like there's a double emphasis on it is hidden, but it is secure. It is secure, double emphasis with Christ in God. All right, uh, any other thoughts? All right, let's have somebody finish this out with uh, verse 4. Who wants to read verse 4 for us? Yeah, Rory? Okay, thank you. So note uh, the emphasis here. When Christ, who is our life, appears, uh, he doesn't merely give us life. He is our life. That's the emphasis here. Uh, when we receive eternal life, really we are receiving his life. He is eternal life himself. So uh, receiving eternal life is really receiving Christ because we're re receiving his life. Uh, 1 John 5, 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So it all comes down to if you have the Son, you have life. To have Jesus is to share in his life. And it says when Christ who is our life appears... This is a certain expectation. He will appear. The timing is, we don't know when the timing is. Uh, the idea appears means to make manifest or to reveal. And uh, most commentaries think here, it's not talking about the rapture here, that first stage of the second coming, but really the, the second coming proper uh, to the earth. 
And uh, what a day that's going to be. Uh, what a, what a uh, time that's going to be for us. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. The rapture is a sudden and hidden event as far as the world is concerned. They won't see it. It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. In contrast is the second coming, which will be a revealing to all of the power and glory of Christ involving an open manifestation of the bride of Christ with him. This is called the revelation of Christ. It's the grand subject of the book of Revelation. Uh, What a day that's going to be. Then you will appear with him in glory. Uh, Can't imagine what that's going to be like. Can't imagine the experience that that's going to be. Uh, It's hidden today, but in that day it will be made manifest. We will share in the experience of, of his glory And uh, we anticipate that. Uh, What a tremendous time that's going to be. Uh, This is about the Jewish wedding. Uh, Both the hidden and revealing aspects of our union with Christ are mirrored in the Jewish wedding. When a young Jewish man was betrothed, engaged to a Jewish maiden, he would spend about one year preparing for their wedding day. She would know about what time he would come to get her. However, she would not know the exact timing. And so had to uh, be ready all the time. And that's really where we are right now. Uh, We are betrothed to Christ. We know he's coming. Uh, He's going to take us back to Father's house and consummate the thing. But uh, we're waiting. Uh, When he came to her village to to get her, a trumpet would be blown signaling for her to go. She would then accompany him back to his father's house uh, where the marriage would be consummated in the bridal chamber. So that's the picture. And... Continuing on with that thought, for one week the guests would celebrate, but not see the bride. For a whole week she would be in the bridal chamber. Then when the week was completed, the groom would bring out his bride and remove her veil so the people could see her. It's a beautiful picture of Christ and the church. Today the church, the bride of Christ, is said to be betrothed to Christ. One day the trumpet will sound and Christ will take his bride back to his father's house for the consummation of the marriage. All of this is hidden. However, after the seven-year tribulation period, Christ will return with his bride, and we will appear with him in glory. Uh, What a tremendous time that's going to be. I think Christ is going to show off his bride at that point as we come to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. I think we are those armies in heaven in Revelation 19 that that are following him. This is our hope. Uh, Set your mind on things above. A lot of things here to discourage us, to depress us, all kinds of things going on. But uh, our hope is on things above. Seek those things which are above. Set your mind on those things which are above. Focus on your union with Christ, on what you have in Christ, and what is yet to be revealed in Christ uh, when you will appear with him in glory. What's going to matter on that day, do you suppose? I submit to you, all that's going to matter on that day is Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what's really going to matter. Uh, It really will be known that it's all about Him and our relationship with Him. That's true now, and so we should live accordingly even now. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here? That's it? Okay. You're what? You're focused. You're setting your mind. Oh, thoughtless. <laughs> like focus better. Yeah, yeah that, fits, that fits good with set your mind. 
Yeah, focus. Okay, well, let's share some prayer items here. Um, you have prayer sheets?